And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 10. And welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. We are coming at you, as always, out of the great state of Texas. Texas. And that is the A.W. Varilla, as always here. And uh, we got another co-host. She doesn't come out often, but when she comes (laughs) on, it's a good podcast. We have the boss's uh, wife, Leanne Den Hartog. Greetings to all, and yes, I am super excited to be here today. Yes, yes. So we'll just go ahead and give it to you. Um, We have, uh, we're going to be interviewing Alistair Begg. We're going to be interviewing him on his book, Pray Big, Learn to Pray Like an Apostle. Uh, Kevin D. Young said uh, of this book, helps you feel not just like you can pray, but that you can. And uh, this book is just all about, you know, I, we all know that in the Christian life, when when things get tough, it, it's hard to pray. And sometimes we don't know what to pray for, or, or, or how should we pray? Uh, yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of questions in, in that realm. Leanne has read the book. And, and what, are, what are your thoughts so far, Leanne, on the on the book? Um, I guess, you know, I want to say it's more just, again, daily we should be praying yeah. so that when we're in those hard times, right. it's natural. And yes. this is going to be a book that's going to ha- help you to learn how to pray as you're having your devotions. And uh, there's a time in the book where he talks about, yeah, just taking your time and going slowly through the book and mm-hmm. incorporating things. And even as I was reading the book, that happened. I, I started, you know, mm. you know seeking God and, and looking things up and, and mm. that's what he wants us to do to seek yeah. him right right and, and it's it's a new book uh, published by the good good book company sorry what were you no, saying no that's okay. and the book is not very uh, no it big, isn't big uh, no. it's uh, what 100 pages you can go through it fairly quickly and just yes. get so much truth and for our audience out there if you guys don't know who Alistair Begg is uh, he's been around for a while and um, he has uh, uh, the ministry called Truth for Life. Which excellent ministry. He, excellent ministry. So please go ahead and check that out. Uh, you can download his... Uh, uh, um, Truth for Life app, app and, yes. and all his sermons and, and devotions sermon. that some people look at almost every day. Yes. 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 People like us in this ministry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just telling uh, Leanne that my wife and I listen. And you actually mm-hmm. were... You pointed to me the Joseph series on mm-hmm. him that he had uh, last year... Which I mean, I flew through it. That was just amazing because it's just dealing with God's sovereignty, which right. is yeah. awesome. So if anybody want to go, yes. go, go back and just yes. listen to it. He's so. an amazing uh, preacher and yes. teacher. So, uh, but before we go ahead and get to the interview, I just want to point everybody to please subscribe to Bridge Radio. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this podcast is uh, our, our mission is to uh, bring awareness to classic and contemporary Christian books. Uh, we believe that God has blessed uh, the church uh, with uh, with teachers and. Preachers like Alistair Begg, who write yes. really good, solid material. And so we just want to bring awareness to that. Read your Bible, read good, solid theology, and that's mm. what we're all about. We have many, many podcasts on eschatology, soteriology, um, um, the doctrines of grace, Calvinism, Arminianism. So a lot, a lot to... Uh, uh, to listen to and, and, and books to point you to to read. So, um, yeah, uh, just type in Bridge Ministries, Bridge Radio, and hit the subscribe button and uh, share with your mom, dad, and your cats and dogs. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Alistair Begg is senior pastor at Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio, and Bible teacher at Truth for Life. He is married to Susan 
and together they have three grown children. Thank you so much, Alistair Begg, for joining the program. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's a privilege to get to talk to you. We we just saw, Alistair, we just saw you uh, on Saturday. We were having <laughs> a uh, group, we were watching the American Gospel, and we, we were seeing you on there where we were being interviewed. So, I mean, just we were just like, there's Alistair Begg on there, like, <laughs> just preaching truth, like, and, and, and giving it to the to the people here at Bridge who, who need to hear the truth. So, so well, to, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so uh, as we said uh, before the program, we're, we're, inter- we're interviewing Alistair Begg on his book uh, that was just released uh, recently, Pray Big, Learn to Pray Like an Apostle. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and hand over to Leanne. She, she read throughout the book, and so uh, and she's read your work. Yeah, I think I actually have read all of his books. Um, and I think, too, as we've interviewed other people on owning a bookstore, I've learned to actually read an entire book, like read from the first page and don't skip anything. And so that's where I want to actually want to start. So for those who haven't heard you on the radio or they haven't read your book, um, Made for His Pleasure, one of your earlier ones, would you please explain your dedication page where you wrote to the memory of T.S. Mooney, who remembered me daily at the best place? Yes, um... A long time ago in the highlands of Scotland, I met a little Irishman, a Presbyterian from the north of Ireland, whose name was uh, Thomas Moody, but known affectionately by everybody as T.S. And um, very quickly, although there was a significant uh, difference in age between himself and myself, uh, uh, we became friends. We uh, lived, uh, you know, separated by the Irish Sea. But uh, we were in touch with one another quite a bit, and I stayed in his home for a week when I spoke at a conference for young people. And when I was there, I realized that he uh, had been the teacher of a boys' Bible class for uh, 40-plus years. In fact, he completed 50 years in that. And so many of the boys that he had taught when they were small were now grown. They were accountants. They were lawyers. They were doctors. They were... Um, all kinds of people, and he had these pictures all around his uh, his apartment in uh, Londonderry. And he said that these were his rogues gallery and that mm. he prayed for them every day. Mm. And he said that he would like to add me to his rogues gallery. Mm. And so um, I was happy as, as a rogue to be included. <laughs> and uh, um, when T.S. Mooney died, uh, they found him uh, fully dressed on, on a morning when somebody came in to uh, clean his apartment, and he uh, was kneeling on the floor of his bedroom and over his bed, and when they lifted his body up, underneath was his Bible and his prayer list. Mm-hmm. And, of course, included uh, in the list was uh, was my name. So mm-hmm. oh, um, wow. I admired him for all kinds of reasons. And yeah. uh, so that I, I hadn't even thought about it when I did the book until the very last minute when someone said, do you want to make a dedication on this? And then just in an instant, I, I wrote that sentence down. So mm. It was obviously deeply, deeply embedded in my psyche. Right. Wow, what a way to go, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, in a prayer <laughs> position with your Bible and entering in the presence of our, yeah. our Lord yeah. and Savior. Yeah, and, and just because I had you know, heard you speak about him, and I remember reading that, um, you know, then I went and got my book out to reread the, the story, but I thought, yeah, I didn't want people to miss that because so many times when people open a book, they just go right to chapter one, and and you don't want to do that. Sure. You want to read, you know, the preface and the epilogue and everything. Um, and then under that, uh, in your book on prayer um, and made for his pleasure, 
you said, find a good example and copy it, which obviously is what you did with this book. So how did you decide to use Paul as your example for prayer in this new book? Uh, Well, because we were studying Ephesians, and uh, it took us a long time to go through the book. Mm -hmm. And in the course of that, in studying his prayers, I think um, all of us as a congregation were struck by how um, uh, deep they were and how unlike so many of our prayers they were. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we made a note, a note of that as we were going through. And then it was subsequent to that, that somebody said to me, you know, I think there's a book in this that mm-hmm. we might do just on the prayers of Paul. So actually the, the initiative came from outside of me, mm-hmm. as is true for most of the things that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I see that you started off the, the year for the Truth of Life on January 1st with uh, your first podcast with the Attitude of Prayer, uh, a two-part series on January 1st and January 2nd. So that's an awesome mm-hmm. way to start off 2020. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody, somebody said to me a while ago, they said, you know, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can't do, <laughs> can't do anything until you've prayed. So Amen. It's yeah. a good way to start. I didn't realize that we started that way. I'm... I'm actually not in charge. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> well, well, it's a good thing God is, and so, yeah, it all worked out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's per- it's exactly. perfect. We're talking about yeah. your book, uh, pr- uh, Pray Big, and, you know, starting off the year, and then uh, I'm praying, so we're, yeah. we're working out great. Right. So, Alistair, in Chapter 2, uh, that's titled, Prayer is Spiritual, but Not Impractical, you mentioned some things uh, not to say and what we should be praying for, uh, right at the beginning of that chapter, it reads, uh, when I read Paul's prayer, I am always struck by the fact that many of the matters that are the focus of my prayers are absent in his. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I think it, it's just that, that I, that I was struck by the fact that as I began to really reflect on how he prayed and what he prayed, it just wasn't like um, most of my prayers. Most of my prayers are either um, a quick thank you and then a long shopping list of things that uh, that are usually of pressing practical importance. And it's not that these things are irrelevant. I think I say that in the chapter too, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the scriptures encourage us to, to bring everything, you know, to the Lord in prayer, to quote the hymn writer. But Paul here, his, his concern for those to whom he writes is... Um, far broader and far deeper than what you find in the average uh, gathering for prayer. You know, I mean, uh, one of the reasons that church prayer meetings eventually just dwindle down to, you know, about six committed souls mm. is not just, beca- not just because uh, people are indolent, but it's because people are bored. And they're bored because they keep coming back and we go through the exact same thing over and over again. And yeah. we pray, we pray for things that often don't actually transpire you know please be with somebody well god has promised to be with those who are his own so we don't need to use a lot of breath on that uh please help mr so-and-so get out of the hospital well that's good too i mean and so we should especially you know if we know mr so-and-so <laughs> but but uh you know i think it's don carson who said that the average uh, church prayer meeting spends a tremendous amount of time trying to keep christians out of heaven Mm-hmm. rather than trying to prevent non-Christians from going to hell. Mm-hmm. And what, what, he means by, what he means by that is that, you know, we're not, we're not praying kingdom things. You know, we're not praying about the vastness of God's kingdom. We're not praying beyond ourselves. 
-hmm. We're not really praying the things that Paul is praying. And the thing is that when he prays in this way, it's not some form of sort of spiritual mumbo-jumbo. There's an intense practicality to it, but it just presses us in a direction that often uh, we we don't make much of. Mm -hmm. And what would you say, Alistair, is kind of the root of that? Is it like the American culture, or is it just not reading the Bible thoroughly? Um, what, what, what would you say if you were to kind of put your finger on it? Well, I think it's a yeah. lot of things. I mean, yeah. I think if I, I think if I start with myself, you know, what are, what are the big concerns for me? They're the same big concerns of everybody else. They're concerns for our families and for our um, and our work colleagues and and all and all of these things. And so. That's fine, but but it it can't stop there. Mm-hmm. It, it has to it has to be broadened out to take in the panorama of God's purposes. You know what is God what is God doing in the world? Mm-hmm. Well, He's putting together a, a, a multicultural gathering that no one will ultimately be able to count mm-hmm. from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Therefore, um, we our, our, our prayers for Iran or for Iraq or for Malaysia, uh. or for the 1.2 billion people in India. Uh-huh. If we uh-huh. pray along Paul's lines, it's going to be different than simply praying, you know, quotes for the protection of our troops, yeah. uh-huh. which, of course, we would, be, we would want to pray for. Uh-huh. But, the re- but the real issue is not the protection of our troops. The real issue is the salvation of our troops. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ah, okay. And so, what what would be some things that you would say not to pray for? Oh, I don't. I want. I don't want. Or, to, I don't want to tell people what not to pray. Right. For, I don't think. I I think just be cautious about. Sure. I, I I find it in myself in my public prayers how how easy it is just to be repetitious. Mm. Um, okay. And uh, you know to to be self self focused. Mm. Um, okay. To. Yeah, that's that's a kind of thing I think right. I'm, I'm trying to trying to trying to avoid. And I think too, it it helped me to start writing my prayers down because then you do see that, like when your book, when you said, you know, when we say "be with, be with, be with," you know, yeah, and you yeah. and you're not really yeah. praying anything. Um, and so no. I think if you actually write your prayers down, that really helps you think about what it is you're actually saying and does it line up with God. And also, I like you use a lot of scripture. And uh, like right now, I'm praying for a young lady who's really, really struggling in her faith. And I looked at some of the scripture you had, and I was like, this is what I need to write down. This is what I need to be praying for this young lady. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. again, this focus, this focus not on self, but focus on the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And and I know we'll expand on this. But yeah, I just, I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's good. And and somebody said earlier, you know, you... What about models for prayer? Well, that's why, you know, uh, the the Puritan prayers, as they've been unearthed in various uh, uh, contemporary renditions, have proved helpful to many of us. It's why I find um, uh, the Diary of Private Prayer by John Bailey helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, why we're giving away this month uh, meditations, I think, by J.C. Ryle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of these men who walked with God and who engaged with God at a time different from our own. I mean, not not tweeting worlds, not mm-hmm. not ATM worlds, not electric car worlds, but slow, slow worlds. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 the, the slowness of life, you know, gave them opportunities that 
you know, we've kind of lost along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so atomized in what we're doing. It's all about now. It's about this immediate. Yeah. It's about getting an answer now and getting mm-hmm. it fixed now. And and yet when you read, you know, missionary biography, if they operated in that level, level, I mean, if William Carey had done that, <laughs> he would have been back, you know, within about 15 minutes because <laughs> he labored for a long, yeah. long time and prayed for a long, long time before he saw any evidence of answers to his prayer. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I guess how important it is to read these men Mm -hmm. who were living in a time where it was a little slower and in a time where the distractions of the fast pace of life. I mean, I'm I'm definitely guilty of it where, I mean, we just everybody's like, I don't have a time for anything, you know, because (laughs) we're just doing all these things. But just going back as um, we're just uh, Alistair, you're talking about Iran and Iraq, um, how easily that we forget about. Uh, everything that is outside our own world, outside our own state, outside the United States, and what's uh, happening in other parts uh, of the world with our brothers and sisters in Christ and praying for them, or the people who are don't know the true God of the universe and praying for them that salvation may come, uh, and, and praying for that and, um, instead of just saying, going back and forth of yeah, just repair to prayer. Yeah, instead of just saying, be, be with Joe who's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We can do better than that. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say, let's let's think. You know, Lord, in in enrich him with a sense of your presence. Uh, uh, glorify your name in his illness. Um, speak to his children who don't believe that in their uh, in, in their fearfulness mm-hmm. that they might find in you the living God. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, and then people are starting to think. Oh yeah, we yeah. Let's get serious. Let's think about what we're actually saying. Rather than pass it off, you know, as yeah, so just a long list of be with. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, uh, Alistair, let's uh, let's move on to chapter five, since we know that you're not part of the prosperity <laughs> movement. Uh, explain your chapter five title: "Praying for Riches." Well, you know, if that just existed without any. Um, of the actual Bible in it, then you would have real reason to be concerned. Yeah, I know. But, um, <laughs> g- g- given given that the that the chapter is grounded in the text, you realize mm-hmm. that what we're talking about here are, you know, what Paul calls in in uh, verse sixteen the riches of His glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, we're not to- we're not talking here uh, first of all about temporal things at all. Yeah. That um, that that what he's praying for these people is that they might have a kind of vast view of God, yeah. that, that they might realize, and I think I'm just looking in this book here since you asked the question, but I, so for God's glory is his might, his self-existence, his mm. majesty, his justice, his truth, his righteousness, his holiness, his purity, and so on. And, and, and the perfection of all of that we see revealed to us in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that um, it, what we're praying for is that we might, we might get a grasp of the fact that um, in in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we have we've been given we've been given all that we need for life and for godliness. You know, we may live in a one bedroom apartment, you know, in in the Bronx, but but we enjoy the riches of God's glory. Mm. We enjoy the promise of His presence. We enjoy the assurance of His provision and all of these things. And you suddenly realize, wow, this is fantastic. I. I'm actually a rich person. You know, when Paul speaks about it, he says, you know, if we have food and we have clothing, with this we will be content. Mm. So that there's a level of contentment, if you like. There's a level of self-existence. 
that has, you know, that's far removed from most of us, even as professing Christians, because we've decided that there are certain things that are foundationally important for us in order that we might find contentment. Uh, and yet when you travel in the world and you, you know, we've got people we support who ride bicycles around northern India, you know, mm. trying to engage the Hindu communities with the stories of the gospel. Man, do they have nothing in comparison to where I live my life. Mm. And yet there's a, there's a serenity about them. There's a, there's, a, there's a something about them. And when I'm with them, I say, you know, I think these guys are rich. Mm. Mm. I, I think they've got some grasp of the riches of God's glory. Yes. Wow. That's, what, that's what chapter 5 is really about. And I know that built from chapter 3, which was Pray for Focus, and I really enjoyed that chapter. Um, I know on page 45 you said, Paul's praying not for new sight, but for focused sight. He's praying not for his readers to become Christians, but to enjoy all that is theirs as Christians. And then later on you said, you know, yeah. you need to know God. And I think that is the point that so many are missing today, mm. is that everything well, is yeah, found you, in God. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 almost funny if it wasn't so sad, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. That you know, you take a book, you take the old book by Packer, you know, knowing God, mm-hmm. which is really is is never never really been bettered. And the beginning of that book, you know, where he where he says, as as all clowns yearn to play Hamlet, <laughs> so I have longed to so I have longed to write a treatise on God. Mm-hmm. And then and then he immediately goes to a twenty three year old Spurgeon. You know, in London, saying to his congregation, you know, do you want to drown your sorrows? Do you want to deal with this? Do you want to do that? Go lose yourself in the immensity of God. You know, I mean, so much contemporary evangelical Christianity is actually quite godless. Mm -hmm. It's quite godless. I mean, you can go through a whole church service and somebody will tell you about five ways that you can be better at something or that you can be more... (laughs) secure in something. Wow. Well, you know, Hinduism can be pointers in that direction. Mm-hmm. Actually, right. so so can so can humanism. The self-help books are, you know, cascading upon us. So what do, what do people actually need? You know, they think they need help with their kids. Well, actually, they need to know who God is. They need to know how wonderful he is as mm-hmm. a father, yeah. how he yearns over us, how he cares for, you know. Hmm. Amen, amen, uh, Alistair. Just going back to the to the concept of riches, something that absolutely changed my mindset was in the Book of Revelation. Uh, usually, a book that's not really considered, uh, you know, it's apocalyptic. But I remember reading in in uh, in, in verse two nine where um, Christ is talking to the church of Smyrna, and he says, and, and I'll never forget it when I was reading it. And he says, "I know your tribulation and your poverty, yet you are rich." And um, and that that just that that verse just hit me like a like a ton of bricks, and I, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, I mean, you have Christ looking upon this church. He sees what they're going through, and he sees what they're about to go through, and he sees their poverty, and yet he's saying, but you're rich.' Um, and that's that's what true saving faith. That and, and and I guess what I'm trying to get to is if we are in Christ, if we're relying on God, uh, we are richer than the kings and queens of this this world." And, and, and Alistair, you say, you, you say in the uh, chapter 5 in the prayer for Richard, you said, And he is your inheritance. The greatest gift of God to his people is God. The greatest joy of heaven is God. I, I found yeah. that just absolutely mm. 
just amazing yeah. in that statement that you made in chapter five. I think, yeah, yeah because, you know, and it makes sense of, uh, um, you know, the, the, the New Testament question, you know, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, because the currency of heaven is not, uh, the currency of earth doesn't trade in the bank of heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a really good summary of all of this on page 82 in your book. It says, but the more I read my Bible, the more clearly I realize that what I need is not an inward explosion, but an inward communion with God. I need the Spirit of God through the Word of God among the people of God to make the fatherhood of God and the love of His Son increasingly precious to me. And we were reading a book um, this year by Piper. Um, where he said, yeah, that, that, that's one of the things to pray, that what's precious to God would become precious to me. And I think, yeah, that just sums it all up, that mm-hmm. we start praying for the things that are yeah, really precious to God. Yeah. That's pretty good. If you, if you hadn't told me it was in the book, I would say that somebody did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> that's another reason I like you, is you're so humble. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. That's go check, check page 82. <laughs> it's really good, believe me. <laughs> that's great. You better make sure it wasn't John Piper. No, 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 no. It was you. It was you. Cause I, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, you know, I started with the beginning of your book. Also, your epilogue is titled Who We Pray For. Um, yeah. And I really appreciated that. So would you share the three who's th- that we are praying for? Um, well, actually, it's, it's it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because it, it doesn't, it's, it's who we pray for or, or what we pray for. I don't know whether it should have read, you know, what we pray for, but we are praying uh, for your sake. Mm-hmm. Um um, we, we, we're to pray for ourselves because we need to pray for ourselves. Mm. And, um, you know, and, uh, well, I, I'm just looking at it here because you've asked me, how do I do this? I say, for your sake, for, for their sake, mm-hmm. and, and for his sake. I say, you can probably do a better job <laughs> on explaining that than I can. It's so long since I, since I did this now. Well, and I did An appreciate it because, you know, as we interview a lot of people and as we read books and... Um, we had talked with Rosaria Butterfield and she talked about with, in her prayer life that, yeah, she kind of starts with herself and her family first and then expands right. out. And I think, you know, just growing up, I didn't really know how to pray. Um, and I kind of thought you had to put yourself last. But I kind of realized right. sometimes it's good to get myself out of the way, just get out of the way mm. and then keep, you know, going out. But the fact that ultimately it's for his sake. Mm. Um Right. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it now. I see mm-hmm. it now. Yes. I, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we do need to pray for ourselves because we're in need of prayer. And then, and then that we would pray for those who are around us. Mm-hmm. And then um, that we would pray first and foremost and ultimately for the, for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that in your book you'd said, like, how to use this book and obviously the first time I had to kind of read it quickly, um, but then I've gone back and you had recommended reading it slowly, um, just really taking your time. And I just think there's something natural that comes when we can slow down and let God direct our thoughts. Um, right. One of the right. pages you had mentioned a hymn and the title was not familiar to me, but the words were. 
And that took me back mm-hmm. because that was the hymn we had at my dad's funeral. And mm-hmm. so then that made me look up the history of the hymn, um, yep. the general. And that was an amazing story. So that's, that's what I want to tell people, that when you, when you read his book, Pray Big, take your time. Write things down. Right. Investigate. And I, again, especially where we live now, people are not familiar with hymns. Mm. And there's such a depth. And so I looked up the history of General Whittle and, you know, the story of his um, testimony coming to faith. Um, and like I said, that's, that is God. There is such depth don't just gloss over. Go back. Um, and so I'm just really excited for this book because like Abe had mentioned earlier, it's not a thick book. So I don't think it's going to be intimidating. Mm-hmm. But take your time mm-hmm. and really savor sitting um, at the Savior's feet because it's just it's just so good. Well, thank you. I, I think you just encouraged me to go and read it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, my husband's always saying, and he's quoting somebody else, but yeah, the fact that we have to preach the gospel to ourselves daily and the fact that, yeah, we have to, right. we get in seasons where we do forget the goodness of God. And um, and I would also encourage people to write down their prayers or write down these scriptures that you have mentioned because for two reasons, when God answers our prayers, then we will remember that we prayed for this. But if we just prayed, be with that, right. you know, what, what, what was the answer? But when you pray specifically yep. the things that you mention in the book, then you see it answered. You go back to God. You thank Him, and and I've forgotten my other points. So, anyways, but. <laughs> yeah. no, that's good. Um, they're, 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 again, uh, hymns hymns have helped me always. I just wrote mm-hmm. a note to somebody who's been diagnosed with uh, with an inoperable pancreatic cancer. One of our radio listeners that mm-hmm. uh, he told me of. And in the note, you know, I said, here's the, the, the thing that comes to mind, and that is the, the verse from the hymn. Um, uh, now I can't even remember the, ver- the verse of the hymn, but uh, um, the, God, no, yeah, I got it now. God, God holds the key mm-hmm. of all unknown, mm-hmm. and I am glad. Mm-hmm. If other hands should hold the key, or if he offered it to me, I might be sad. And just in that simple awareness that that nothing has taken God by surprise, even in a diagnosis such as that, mm. and that He hasn't moved one iota from us in terms of His interest in us and His love for us in Christ, so that although the the, the physical frame uh, is increasingly um, uh, wasting away, you know you gain a discovery of an inward renewal that you would that you would never know when when the band is playing when everybody's marching and and when everything's going fine mm-hmm. that's why lonely people are often able to tell us uh, more, more about intimacy with god than those of us who are sort of always talking and just going on you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 uh yeah so it's uh, yeah we learn we learn don't we yeah, thou, and, and then as you were just saying that, you know, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Huh. You know, he can't out-ask God. I mean, he owns everything. So, yeah. That's true. And I have to then, I have to include the refrain from the hymn I mentioned, um, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he yeah. is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Um, yep. Yeah, 
it just means the world to me. Um, the other thing is that, okay, it's one thing to read a book, um, but then I just wanted to ask you more of a personal question. How has prayer looked in the life between like you and your wife, with your children, now you have grandkids? So how have you kind of seen that you know, being used in your family, or how have you done that as a family to pray together? Well, it's a long. T- I mean, it's a long time since we had family just around our mm-hmm. our table uh, routinely. It's just uh, Susan and me now. I mean, they, they're around a lot. They're in our homes, so we pray together. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Part of the part of the challenge, I think, for my children and my grandchildren is um, for them to see that prayer for me is not a function of my job but is an expression of my relationship with God. Mm. Because, I mean, they know, you know, Papa prays. Uh, we heard him. He was uh, sometimes telling me, Papa, that prayer was way too long. You don't have to spend so long get, getting at it. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think the honest answer is that I wish I, I wish I did far better at this than I do. I... I think one of the reasons, you know, you say that if people say that if you listen to your pastor for long enough, you, you know, you'll learn about his own sins mm-hmm. because, you know, he'll, 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 he'll allude to it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think people know that prayer is a challenge for mm-hmm. me, that no. public prayer mm-hmm. is, is a daunting responsibility, that private prayer is easily chased out by the demands of every other thing that mm-hmm. you can convince yourself of, that, um, but, you know, the sense of communion with God, the, the sort of Brother Lawrence aspect of it, you know, that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own, the, the, the acknowledging of God in the, in, the, in the everyday events of life, in, in its goings out and in, again, as the hymn writer puts it, uh, that cultivating that within the framework of one's own life and then within our married life and then within our parental responsibilities and now mm. with our grandparents' responsibilities. I mean, it extends to, you know, getting in the car and uh, they snatch my phone and then they hook up the Bluetooth and then, you know, where is it going to go next? Yeah. Well, you know, well, Saturday Saturday night it went to Fernando Ortega. <laughs> and, uh, because, because my children... I've played Fernando to their children mm-hmm. uh, often at the end of the day or, or, or when they are going off to bed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so nobody is ever going to go on, on a phone and haul up Fernando unless they have been influenced in that direction. And uh, so that's sort of, I know that's praise, but it, so much of it is, is prayerful uh, words and mm-hmm. uh and so that's that's the kind of way that it's uh, going at the at the extended bag household. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think to one of the stories you shared about the vacation that was kind of derailed, and then how your dad, you know, prayed for a place to stay. Oh, sure. And yeah, I yeah. think those are those those moments. Um, that's why I love reading history of all sorts because, like you said earlier, that when we read other people's prayers, we see how they responded, whether it's you know Corey Tenboom or whoever. Um, I think that emboldens us to say, yeah, I can go to God first in prayer for these big things. And I know in your book, um, on the last page, it says, 
And so we pray big prayers. We pray like Paul. We pray for our own sake, for we are dependent creatures, and we need the help of God who is able to do what we are quite unable to do. We pray for the sake of others because of what they most need from us is our prayers. And most of all, we pray for God's sake, that the God who made us and died for us and rose for us and rules for us and will return to us might be glorified in our lives and in our churches. And then every chapter you end in a prayer. And so like, I just want to tell people, you need to get this book mm-hmm. and just spend time mm-hmm. and just really you know, come to that best place. Right. Um, uh, before we land this plane, Alistair, <laughs> if, um, what would you might... Uh, we, we do have a worldwide uh, audience that listens to us. I mean, not a lot of people, but um, what would you just tell somebody who might be listening that is struggling with prayer? Uh, maybe, um, it, it depends what the struggle is. Maybe mm. the struggle is I, I, I don't have words or I mm. don't know how to, to do it. Well then, um, you know, some of the resources we've mentioned will be a help. You help yeah. to prime the pump, you know, you learn to pray as others pray. Um, and not least of all, in terms of going to the prayers of the Bible, mm. not just the prayers of, uh, Paul. But for example, the great prayer of Daniel, mm. um, Nehemiah, when he prays, mm. um, and of, and and perhaps more than anything else, the the, the prayers and supplications of the psalmist himself. Mm. Um, if it is if it is something else, if it is that we have lost confidence in God, or that we have lost um, a, a sense of the the value in prayer, um, then we need to take ourselves in hand. And we need to operate on the basis of what God has said about himself and allow our feelings to catch up with with our heads, if you like. Let our hearts catch up with our heads and uh, start by uh, reminding ourselves of what is true and, and that God would not encourage us to pray. Jesus would not have said to his disciples, you know, to pray if it was some kind of spiritual breathing exercise if it was <laughs> if it was a you know it was a, a sort of quasi christian form of sitting cross-legged on the ground and thinking about nothing i mean it's <laughs> we're not talking about that i mean it's we're talking about something very very significant here the mystery that is in it mm-hmm. is is uh or not to take us away from that and then maybe to pray with a partner uh mm-hmm. to pray with somebody you know that that uh maybe is more mature than us and you know when we used to pray when i used to pray with my boss back in the early days with derek you know i was struck by the way in which he approached god the tenor of his prayer the 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 sensitivity of his soul you know and and i you know so it forced me to say well why why don't you uh, approach god in this way you know and uh, uh so that that would be that would be it the person who just says, well, I don't know about God and I don't know about prayer, then I would encourage them to uh, to go to the Bible. I gave a New Testament to a couple of doctors yesterday, one from Chile and one from Brazil, mm-hmm. um, who don't read the Bible. And uh, although they come from a religious background, they really have got a scant understanding of these things. So I would encourage people to read that. Mm-hmm. And then to consider... Uh, Consider the gospel itself, the wonderful story of what God has done in Jesus in order to um, save us from from ourselves and from our sin and from death and from the grave to give us friendship and hope and a future, all of these things. Right. 
Right. Amen. Well, that's a perfect segue to our next question. Uh, <laughs> Alistair, uh, for all of our guests who come out on the program, we, we, we understand that, you know, talking about books or even the topic of, of, of prayer, as important as it is, it's, it's the gospel itself that, that brings people to saving faith. And so we always open up the floor for our guests to present the gospel to those who are listening and, 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 and praying that they would come to saving faith. So the, the floor is yours. So what, what is the gospel? Well, let me first of all say this that telling people their need of the gospel is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. That telling people the rewards that will be theirs if they believe the gospel is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. Warning them of the dangers of rejecting the gospel is not the gospel. And so many people are left wondering because that's what people do. Mm-hmm. They tell them, oh, this is what you need to do. There is something you need to do. In fact, it is, first of all, something that we need to know. What Luther said was really helpful to me when he said, you know, basically the gospel is outside of ourselves. It's outside of ourselves that we're not saved, obviously, as a result of anything done by us, nor are we actually saved as a result of anything done in us. We are saved as a result of something done for us. And so I say to people, you know, the contemporary understanding of the human predicament is largely you know whether it is a boy who swears all the time and is jealous of his sisters and is a miserable little rascal and i know a lot about people like that (laughs) uh, having been one myself contemporary psychology will tell the parents and the child you know first of all you should know that, that that it's not your problem the problem the problem is actually outside of you and the answer is inside of you you're a good person and you can get a hold of yourself and you can fix yourself which is, the, which is the absolute chronicle of despair. I mean, it's the worst thing you could ever say, and yet people believe it in great spoonfuls mm-hmm. because it makes us feel good about ourselves. We said, oh, yeah, I could look in and fix myself. Well, no, the gospel is the opposite of that. The gospel says the problem is inside of you and the answer is outside of you. Mm-hmm. And the story of the gospel is that Jesus has come and lived the life that we are supposed to live and can't live. That is, in perfect obedience to the law of God. He has kept the law of God in its entirety. That he has lived in perfection before God's law. Uh, he has satisfied the demands of God's law. And he has also borne the punishment for those of us who have broken God's law, which is every single one of us. And so uh, the story of the gospel, and that's why it's good news, is the story of what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ to save those who trust in him, and all who are willing to trust in him, he will save entirely. And that is the good news. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Alistair, for sharing the gospel. And uh, we just want to encourage everybody to get his uh, new book, Pray Mm. Big, Learn to Pray Like an Apostle. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. If you're here in our location, you can stop by Bridge Ministries. We will have it. And uh, Alistair, thank you so much for coming Mm. on the program. We hope to uh, maybe have you back in the future. Yes, thank you, Alistair. Thank Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, each one of you, for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that wraps up this edition of Bridge Radio. I really hope you guys get uh, Alistair Begg's Pray Big, Learn to Pray Like an Apostle. Uh, We love Alistair here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. also want to encourage everyone to go check out Truth for Life. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also go check out the books of uh, the Good Book Company. I know I was checking, I was checking out their their publishing company. They have a lot of really, really good uh, uh, works there, and uh, and yeah. So um, 
we enjoyed it. Hope you did. And uh, as always, we ask one question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Later. Later.